Welcome to the third episode of Behind the BDS. I'm so grateful to all of you that have tuned in so far and have listened to the last two episodes. It really means so much and I've had nearly 200 listens now. So thank you to all of you and the more people that I can reach, the better to be able to help raise awareness and education on various mental health conditions. I'm your host, Emily Moore, also known as at BDS.MentalHealth on Instagram. And today I'm going to be chatting with nearly 18 year old Gracie. Her birthday's tomorrow, so that's why I say that. Um, And I hope she has a fab day. We're going to be delving into Gracie's experiences with self-harm, MDD, major depressive disorder, social anxiety, and dermatillomania. I also want to find out more about her journey with CAMS, uh, the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services, and the process of being discharged from them and then transitioning to adult mental health services. So welcome, Gracie. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so grateful. Oh, thank you. Hello, I'm very happy to be here. Oh my God, I can't even believe you asked me in the first place. Ah, I'm literally so excited. And seriously, like, your Instagram is just unreal. Like, it's at Recovering Gracie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so for everyone who's listening, then please go follow at Recovering Gracie because it's seriously amazing like you go so in depth and it's like so real and authentic it's just I've never heard anything like it in my life um and it's just so relatable I think with anyone with any mental health condition even if it's not the same (laughs) would be able to relate to something on there um and you're so open as well like all with your Q&As and stuff and like on your highlights like I've never I don't think I've seen anyone on Instagram with like that much depth and you've just helped so many people like the amount of people who come to you and ask questions like you know what have you done to do like help you with this or how do you get a better night sleep or all of these different lifestyle things and you always have advice to give on it which is just amazing oh thank you no seriously you've done such a good job with it um so what i'll do is i'll let you introduce yourself a little bit first obviously we already know your name but still you can expand on that like where you're from <laughs> uh, general kind of like background what you're planning on doing in september because we've got ex- like some exciting stuff coming up with uni and everything so i'll let you just introduce yourself um so yeah obviously i'm gracie i'm 18 <laughs> tomorrow but when ah! this goes out i know when You'll this be 18. Out, i'll be 18 so um, yeah, i'm from the southeast of England. I live in a really quite small town in Kent and I'm an only child, which is quite boring. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I've finished my A-levels. Obviously I didn't actually take them. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, COVID situation. Yeah. um, Forgot about that. But I was always gonna take a gap year because I was, well, I still am hoping to be able to travel next Mm -hmm. year with my boyfriend, but we will see. And then I'm going to uni next September to study um, primary education. Oh, that'll be amazing. So which uni are you going to? It's, it's next September you're going? Yeah, uh, I'm going to Winchester. That'll uni. be amazing. Oh, my God. It's, that's the thing I got confused with that because I thought you were going this September. So you're going to have a gap year, hopefully travel, um, yeah. which I hope you get to do as well. Have you got any places in mind that you're thinking of going? Uh, mainly just Australia. I've Ooh. always wanted to go there. Ooh. I'm so jealous. I know, so that'll far be... away. Yeah, yeah it's just going to be just so up in the air isn't it at the moment like with what goes yeah. on with coronavirus but fingers yeah. crossed you'll get to go and have like an amazing year um yeah. it's nice as well to be able to take that time out for yourself as well being in education for so long as well and then having that yeah, year exactly to do what you want to do kind of thing yeah amazing amazing what i wanted to kind of ask you as well i was thinking about this earlier and i was thinking like, it'd be interesting to hear your experiences kind of through school and kind of when things sort of first surface for you in terms of noticing like mental health symptoms and kind of yeah at what point during your education you noticed that and how you found it and dealt with it in a way because I think for me I only noticed having experience like with mental health sort of issues and symptoms I think around 15 I was so like year 10 um, yeah. so I've been quite lucky in a way that like a lot of my high school life and kind of primary school life I was genuinely 
okay um I think obviously looking back I feel like maybe there was the odd thing that kind of surfaced up that I didn't realize was a problem that now looking back I can sort of see okay that might have been a bit of like the start of it in a way um but it only became very apparent at like 15 so it's quite late compared to some people so I'm quite intrigued to know like where you started noticing things yeah, well, I think I was in maybe year nine. How old are you then? 13, 14? Yeah, maybe 13 or something. Yeah, but I didn't really... How do, how do you say it? I didn't really portray the, like, mm. stereotypical classic, like, symptoms where I, like, withdrew. I kind of started acting out more in school. Right. But my school weren't very good, I guess, with handling certain issues and they kind of just put me down as being difficult, bad, behaved, difficult student. Yeah. So I didn't get any help. Instead, I was just being treated like just no, badly, just being sent out, put into detention, etc, etc. But yeah, and then I didn't obviously I was really like struggling in year 10, year 11. Mm. And in year 12 is when the school actually like were told about it by my mum just because I was missing a lot of time because I was going to therapy to psychiatrist appointments so I was having to miss school so my mum told them but so was the school not really kind of aware up until like year 12 what was going no, on they were, no. no it's quite ignorant as well because obviously they will have known that like something was up like it's not as act like it wouldn't have been obvious at all like if they you know if they were kind of sending you out and giving you detention yeah. and all of these things and it's just a shame that they kind of automatically put it down to like you I are know. being difficult or whatever rather than trying to explore like the actual reasons behind it and the problem behind it yeah i know they i just always have said like they never once asked if i was actually like okay they just mm. punished and that was it and they thought that would solve the problem but... I know. it just makes it worse so when you're already feeling like literally so isolated anyway and kind of confused like all the emotions that come with it when you're first maybe starting to get these symptoms and up till then you kind of never had experience with it and then to like feel like all you want is support and then not to get that at all and you're just getting punished instead um it is difficult to deal with isn't it really yeah and then yeah so then was your GCSEs kind of did you manage to get through them okay or was it still like real I mean obviously I know it will have been so difficult still but yeah I think I've always said that school's been a good distraction for me not necessarily being at school but like especially in sixth form and um GCSEs I kind of just put my entire like focus on just revision and just yeah making creative revision things so it kind of like while it was obviously still really difficult I was able to kind of put my focus somewhere else but it's a bit of an outlet isn't it yeah quite nice yeah. that's yeah it's so true actually I feel like for me I don't know if you, you felt similar as well and it depends maybe where you're at in terms of like speaking to your family about it as well but um for me because the problem sort of started year 10 year 11 I think um it was difficult because I hadn't really spoke to any of my family about it and then at the same time school I knew if I was to miss like a day obviously everyone's going to know about it like my family are going to find out in two seconds if I'm not at school because it's yeah. very obviously like attendance focused um it's not like kind of uni where you know if you're not there that's down to you and like your parents aren't going to know about it yeah exactly um so I remember being kind of so aware of that being the situation if I was just off for one day that that would mean I'd be kind of found out if that makes sense and I know it sounds awful because I just wasn't ready to like say anything to anyone and I hadn't really figured it out myself I think for me I actually just thought it'd be easier to actually be there and like you say one for a bit of the distraction side of things and two just because it meant then I didn't have to discuss it elsewhere and less people would know about it if that makes sense yeah you weren't questioned yeah definitely yeah I think I knew I remember even one point where it got bad at school I, don't, I hadn't missed a day but I'd like 
started crying my eyes out of school and it was all a mess but then the tutor had like contacted my mum at home and I was thinking oh no because she was asking me you know what's your mum's phone number I'm gonna ring her tonight and I'm thinking no 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 because obviously she had no idea um and I remember to my mum she will have been thinking you know what are you crying about like what like how can you not I remember her saying to me literally like how can you not know why you're crying because I didn't tell her like the whole detail at that point I was like you know I've been struggling for a while or for a couple of months or anything like that but at that one moment I remember her saying like how I was saying oh I don't know why I was crying like I couldn't there wasn't a reason why I was crying that was kind of the point but then yeah me saying that to her was just making it angry to be honest because she was thinking how do you not know why you're crying like what is going on um and I remember that put me off even longer to be honest ever saying anything to her ever again because I just thought oh my god like that's the reaction I'm gonna get kind of like you know how do you not know why you're crying or you know there should be a reason and all of that kind of stuff and that did put me off a little bit yeah Um, that's kind of similar with my mum she was just very confused and couldn't get ahead around the fact that you can feel like that for no reason mm, and that's what's yeah. so kind of the stigma around it isn't it i suppose i think people think that with like depression and anxiety and things there has to be like a singular trigger or yeah. a singular event in your life why that would mean you feel that way when it's not necessarily the case obviously it can no. be the case but it can yeah, but literally not always that's 100 percent. do you yeah. kind of feel the same way in terms of your kind of anxiety and depression that it kind of happened literally out of nowhere as such like it felt like that anyway yeah no definitely like some of the things I deal with now like which aren't really to do with depression or anxiety like I can see that that might have had certain triggers but when I first started struggling and went into therapy and spoke to the doctors all they were just trying to work out was why but I was but there was no reason like they were just so confused but I thought as a professional surely they should know that it isn't always because some major like life event has happened Mm -hmm. it can just happen unfortunately it's so true it makes you feel quite guilty as well because i think sometimes you you obviously full well know that like people go through serious things in life and like grief and etc and that would be a more than valid reason to feel that way or to kind of have a depressive episode or I'm intrigued with you as well, like with your first symptoms when you started kind of noticing things in year 10 and 11, was it kind of the anxiety and depression side of things or what sort of symptoms were the first things that you started having? Um, Well, I think I've always kind of experienced anxiety since I was very young, but like in shops and stuff, like I would just have massive like meltdowns, but my mum just really did not get it at all. So I kind of just bottled it up and just... But I'd say, like, it was probably around year 10 because that was when I started self-harming mm-hmm. and everything kind of took a turn for the worse, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so, it was quite like a rapid decline in a way. Yeah, and it all kind of, like, like... I don't know if there was, like, a more prominent issue. It just all kind of was blending together and just a big mess. <laughs> was it, like, a mixture of kind of, like, anxiety, depression and then self-harm, like, that kind yeah. of area of things where it was just very, like, low and... Um, yeah kind of yeah just loss of sense of self in that kind of way definitely it was just kind of a never-ending just low mood yeah I'm intrigued by self-harm I think because for me personally I can understand where it comes obviously I can understand where it comes from but I think for me like because I've been so low and kind of depressed in that way and kind of had suicidal thoughts and things but then I've never had a self-harm um maybe yeah way of thinking of that makes any sense so I think I'm intrigued to know like what would kind of with the self-harm do you remember kind of anything about when it first started or maybe the whys behind it or was it literally just so kind of subconscious that it just kind of happened but you didn't really know the thought process behind it or 
Yeah, I don't think I really understood, like, what I was doing at mm. first, because I wasn't... Obviously, now there's, like, the mental health community, which is a whole like, other thing, but I obviously haven't yeah. been in that for very long, so... And I didn't really use any things that would kind of give me the idea as such. Like, I didn't really have much knowledge about it, so I didn't really know what I was doing in the first place. And then I think it just kind of crept up on me in a way and just kind of got very out of control. Yeah. Does it become quite, like, addictive? Is it, like, yeah, addictive? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely an addictive behaviour which is why it's so difficult to stop and why it's not as easy as people just saying just don't do it because Mm. that's not how it works I think I think I think people would probably think of it as like okay you're doing it with the purpose of self-harming if maybe you're really anxious like as a stress reliever or in the way of like a suicidal kind of tendency yeah. behind it of like this is the intention but then people don't necessarily see that side of it of like the addiction side of it as well and how like it might start off as one of those other things like the trigger in the first place to yeah, doing definitely. it and, and then, then it just... becomes a habit yeah and sometimes there's not a particular reason it's just kind of becomes mm. almost like routine like mm. sort of thing but... did you notice that it was kind of something that you would do would it be like a particular sort of time of day or in response to some emotion that you were having or was it very random um i'd say at first there was kind of a pattern like in the evenings like when i had no distractions things true felt extra overwhelming but then it just kind of became very random like and I would just kind of do it as and when, like, very carelessly, without yeah. much fault, and, yeah. It, I presume, obviously, with it being the way, in the nature that it is, that it is pretty, like, impulsive, and it's just one of those yeah. things that you don't even kind of have much of a thought process behind. No, you don't really think before it happens. Mm. And then yeah. is it is it something that where afterwards you're left, what is kind of the feeling afterwards, or maybe would that vary for different people? Like, would it be, like, a gratification thing afterwards, or, like, a satisfied thing, or would it be, like, really guilty and feel like all like negative emotions after it I think it's different for everyone I mean it I think for me like that feeling of kind of like relief and stuff would not last right long at all but because it became so addictive I didn't it wasn't so much about that anymore it was just kind of me feeding that addiction but yeah it's interesting I think think it's really scary isn't it how things can sort of start one way but then it turns into an addiction or a habit which then is very hard to break but you're not really getting that same kind of yeah release or whatever the initial thing was that you started doing it for that becomes like non-existent and then you're doing it as an addiction which is so sad as well because like it's just the whole thing sad but then the fact that you end up doing it as something you don't want to be doing but it's so ingrained in you in such a a, a, yeah an addiction that's hard to break so you can't escape from it yeah and I think like for me I would feel so much guilt and just shame afterwards and because I was I've been with my boyfriend for a very long time all throughout this and yeah I'd always like tell him like if something had happened like because you know he wanted to help and he yeah. wanted to know just so it's nice you had sure, that like, support as yeah, well which was really good in one way but also really difficult because it meant that like as well as just me feeling rubbish anyway I then had to deal with the yeah. being honest and telling him and then feeling guilty and like I'd let him down and it just brought up even more emotions and then I think yeah all of that guilt alongside the already feeling 
the way you were depressed and anxious mm. it just made it more likely to happen again because yeah it like yeah. Fe- you feel like it all kind of feeds into it and it's sad isn't yeah. it? i kind of feel like sometimes that that's why a lot of the time people don't necessarily seek support or it makes things harder because even though it's it's obviously i'm sure you'd be the same as me that you'd be saying to everyone you know 100 percent reach out like ask yeah. for help get support from your family etc like try and do as much as you can to help like get the help but then it can be really difficult because sometimes when you just have to deal with something by yourself it's still so painful and really hard but then you haven't really got you don't feel like you're needing to let anybody yeah. else down if that makes sense you don't sense. feel the burden of mm. putting it on other people you kind of just got your own yeah stuff to deal with and it's like just you and obviously that isn't nice for you but then at the same time you don't have them emotions like you say of feeling like you're burdening other people or feeling that they're going to be overly worrying about you and like you don't know how to say things to them or like they're going to feel like uncomfortable back because they don't know what to say and just putting people them in them situations then like you can sometimes i feel like make yourself feel worse sometimes i feel like it definitely is one of those things where when you first start reaching out and telling someone it definitely gets worse before it gets better that's such a good point actually because i think people always think that you're gonna do it and it's gonna be like this instant like everything's gonna get better yeah no it's gonna be amazing and no i agree with you i think it's one it takes a lot of perseverance i think to get the help in the first place that's yeah definitely right for you and i think I mean, obviously going from just maybe mine and your experiences and others, but I feel like for most people, you're probably going to definitely have knockbacks of some form, whether that's people's judgment or people just being like outright nasty to you or which just shouldn't be the case. Like it really shouldn't. And that's why like these conversations are necessary and like the awareness and education because people just can act like so on like just absolutely unbelievable and like so kind of rude and just ignorant to the whole thing um so yeah i feel like it's really difficult when in terms of reaching out for help i think it is hard because it can be quite um i don't know what the word is but disheartening to say the least or more than yeah. that but i try i don't know what the word is that's kind of makes it more yeah severe than that but very disheartening when you're trying to reach out for help and it's so difficult in the first place and then to kind of maybe get that judgment or to be dismissed or some people's just outright ignorance and like yeah. just nastiness and i think then it can be really difficult because then you, you just think it's easy for me just to deal with this by myself yeah uh, which is a very sad place to be actually when you're already feeling very alone and isolated and then to get to the point where you feel like i actually think it'd be better for me to deal with this by myself which i've definitely been there it's it's pretty sad so i think to then have that persistence i think that's where your kind of strength comes in as well to get them knockbacks and then to have to keep persevering yeah, just persevering keep pushing yeah 100 percent. so like with your school how were they when your mum told the school like going into kind of a level sort of time yeah they were fine really i think they were just quite shocked because i've always been quite an outgoing person anyway so mm. i think they were confused yeah <laughs> but they were fine with it like obviously if they weren't fine with it that would be look very bad on that problem yeah, but yeah they didn't true really, they didn't really bring it up with me they just mm, kind of let kind it of let sit it happen, in a way yeah. did they kind of go out of the way was there any support kind of systems in place at the actual school or like sixth form or was there not really much no. going there no that probably needs to change doesn't it as well you just think like once they know this information like for them to just kind of not i know it's better than them being kind of horrible about it but then yeah not be doing should be yeah anything active Someone about knows. it it's, yeah it's kind of a bit pointless to kind of people be going out of the way to kind of tell them and then there's no kind of active strategies in place to try and help anyone yeah 
is a shame and then going into a level how did things kind of progress from there or what kind of how was your experience during them two years um year 12 was probably the worst year worst year yeah even though i still like managed to kind of do stuff i think i was quite like high functioning but to the point where it was unhealthy almost like i was putting every ounce of energy i had into just doing work just to distract myself but then as soon as i stopped it was like worse than what so it... much worse so much more intense and overwhelming and yeah it was kind of like that was the year where I was just being referred to cams like loads was happening I was leaving school like here and there like it was just yeah it was all lot. just very up in the air there was no like proper support in place like for half of year 12 I'd say so, like, just... when, so what was the cam situation was like did you get referred to cams earlier than that and it took a long time to get on like the actual system or how's the kind of initial thing with cams getting referred and everything yeah well when I was first struggling when I was probably like 13 or 14 when me and my mum went to the doctors and mm. they I think we went back three times because they just kept telling me to like try exercise you know mm. so the classic and then yeah I think they did refer me then but it just never, like, the referral never went through almost. Right. So yeah. then I, st I my mum, really fortunately, I was able to get some private therapy. Because all of my family kind of put money in and stuff. Yeah, um, amazing. But then because I wasn't getting any other help, it didn't really, I didn't really um, engage very well. I didn't really have a relationship with that therapist and then eventually I left and we went back to the doctors yeah. in like the start of year 12 and they put in a referral again to CAMS and a few months later after several like my mum like ringing up trying to get it to hurry up basically move along yeah it took it took a few like incidents for them to put it in like as an urgent referral so then I'd say they put me the referral in in September and yeah I was first seen in January, I mm. think. Considering that's yeah. meant to be urgent as well, you think, God. Yeah. It's like, that's, I just think, geez, like, it's meant, that's meant to be urgent. You just think, that's what I find, like, so mind-baffling, is, like, it basically takes, like, someone to literally try and kill themselves, basically. Yeah. To actually even be remotely seen as, like, an urgent referral or whatever they an want to class as urgent. And that's four months down the line you know what I mean I think they just I just oh it just really baffles my mind I just don't get it's so sad the whole system and like how underfunded and kind of how high yeah. in demand it is and it's just not working unfortunately I mean it's better than nothing but it's definitely not working in like no. the way that it should be because things are being left too late whereas if there was early intervention then things would get less serious yeah. so they wouldn't I don't know, it seems like as a whole that it's just being made harder for the services because they're not providing early enough support. So by the time they have to support people, it's yeah a lot more complex. And That's so true. I've never thought about it like that, actually. It's literally like a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it, where it just goes round uh -huh. in circles and it's literally like they're making it work. Obviously, I get it's not their fault, like it's not an individual's no. fault. It's just like the whole like system in general system, yeah. but then it's like it by the time like you say they're having to actually deal with these problems it's got to the point of everyone being in crisis and then it's so complex there's a lot of conditions involved a lot of past involved a lot of history and then it's very difficult to manage and a lot more kind of yeah. treatment and funding is probably required at that point as well yeah. where if it was like an earlier intervention it would probably actually cost them less money 
the whole process would hopefully stop people from getting to crisis point anyway so it's yeah it is kind of very like kind of shooting themselves in the foot but in like not their fault yeah, kind of way. yeah, yeah. it's very strange isn't it so like with cams when you eventually saw them in the january feb time what was kind of your experience with them from that like kind of what was the process or how does cams work and like do you get different kind of therapists involved or what's the kind of um well when i first went i had to have like a two-hour assessment with right. who I think is my kind of care coordinator lead person. However, okay. I only I only ever saw them once. Oh, okay. Which is very bad. <laughs> yeah, um, I think what? Yeah, what? Obviously, <laughs> most most people who are with CAMS see like not necessarily see them because a lot of the time they're not like a therapist. They're just kind of to manage all of your care. But right. I don't think she actually knows who I am anymore but anyway so I had that assessment and then I think I had to go back in like a week because uh, I was in like crisis and they needed to like check and then they assigned me a psychiatrist mm-hmm. and also I was able to access group therapy for that's really good I think yeah that was really quick because I think before I was even well before I even saw cams they spoke to my mum about there being like in the new year group therapy being offered I was adamant right. I wasn't I wasn't gonna do it but I it sounds it, so scary but then like I suppose like you say once it's offered you you're not gonna say no like it's one of those things yeah that, you like, kind of have to accept the help that yeah, you can get so 100% it's definitely worth like everything's worth a try isn't it like regardless of yeah. whether it ends up being for you or not but like it's amazing yeah. that that was something that kind of came to the table quite quickly once you like yeah had the referrals how did you what was the group therapy like um so it was mainly like anxiety focused that was kind of how it was advertised I guess um but I think for me the main thing it helped me with was just like my self-confidence and just like yeah feeling able to like do things that are out of my comfort zone like it Uh did help me a lot with I learned a lot I think in terms of like cognitive distortions like thought processes and yeah how to cope with them but also it just really helped me like with my confidence and feeling like I could do scary things yeah and like you've got the capability to do that yeah you definitely have was it kind of like all the was how many people were in the group like what was that kind of setup like um, I think there was meant to be eight people right I think normally there was about five people Okay. session because it's quite a nice amount i suppose isn't it not yeah. too intimidating but then it's still like getting to have that like um, yeah. i don't know what the word is but sort of being able to relate in a way and have that kind of comfort like comfortability with it but then it not being too in your face either yeah so most of the time there was f- i think overall there was about six people who like came but just sometimes like maybe one week someone wouldn't be there so there was yeah. normally about five people every session yeah and then would you and then would then people be like in a similar position to you in a way or like I've had similar conditions or is everyone there literally for completely different reasons or um I think it was quite mostly similar experiences but we never really like we were never made to like discuss your talk about our like struggles it was more like talk about just our general like interests and life because I guess they didn't want to make it because I would have hated if they were just like tell everyone your story I know that's what kind of scares me back because when you say group therapy it's like what like no thank you you because you're just going to be talking about all of but it's not like that it's that's good yeah it's more just like every week we would have to do 
this thing called like comfort zones where we try and do something out of our comfort zone then we all had to like discuss it and rate it on like a, a graph but that that's was really, pretty good actually yeah that was really the most that it was ever like got really personal a lot of it was just kind of the leaders like talking about different things to do with anxiety and, and kind of like stuff. cbt techniques and yeah things like that. it's yeah. really good actually because i think that's, it's good in a way as well that you're in that environment and can try and be i mean the whole situation's kind of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone anyway just like being there yeah full stop like that's already a massive step but then being able to do them sort of tasks as well in quite like a small comfortable environment with like just yeah. a small amount of people and it's not like a big audience as such and especially people you know who've maybe had similar problems to you or you know a you know within cams basically and obviously have had their own individual kind of experiences and struggles and stuff and then yeah. to be able to kind of explore your comfort zone in that sort of more intimate environment so it's not as overwhelming yeah definitely must be a yeah. bit better and then you've obviously done amazing though in terms of like actually getting through your GCSEs A levels like you've still done it all amongst yeah, having <laughs> all of these problems which is just like so amazing because like you know that's what I think people kind of underestimate a lot of the time like just general literally going to school anyway full stop like exam yeah. stress and like having to worry about yeah doing yourself proud and your family proud and all of these external pressures you put on yourself about like academic stuff and um you know being able to go to uni or do whatever you want to do in life and that's already like a massive pressure and enough to deal with for anyone as it is so then to have like a mental health problems on top or any physical conditions or anything that people go through i think people just forget like what people actually get like go through behind like closed doors and stuff and just think like the worst people have got to think about is like exam stress when it's like i literally die when i think of that now because i literally just think if i all like all we had to worry about was exam stress like (laughs) we'd be living life you know what i mean i know i know literally it's unreal so the fact you've got to where you want to be like you should definitely be super proud because you've come like such a long way it's unreal yeah it's amazing so like with your year went back into kind of your year 12 sort of self and it kind of got to like the worst it got like what is kind of the severity obviously don't go into go into whatever you feel comfortable with but what was like the severity of where it got like is it on a day-to-day basis or how you felt like what your symptoms were um I think it was just I was completely like isolating myself from everyone just not talking to anyone I was self-harming like multiple times a day and having suicide attempts which have landed me in hospital and yeah but I think that was really and that was all kind of January February it was kind of when yeah the help was starting to be put into place but it wasn't actually in place place. yeah that time is really awkward isn't it because it's like you sort of know the help's starting to come but it's not officially like set in stone at that point so you're still quite you still probably kind of feel pretty alone to be honest even though you know things are getting kind of set up but it's not yeah Yeah. it's not in place at that point where you're sort of actively being able to go to appointments and things like that yeah yeah definitely it's really hard I think to get to that point as well it's so dark it's just like so empty and it's difficult as well looking back because like does it I mean obviously you'll be able to remember stuff but like does it just sort of feel like an actual blur like as in yeah it's all just it seems so far away from me now yeah it was like last year which seems Mm. crazy but it is very like when I think about it I just can't believe it all was actually kind of happening if you know what I mean yeah I agree I kind of look back and I literally just think like 
what like it actually just I feel so detached from it which in a in yeah. a weird way I'm kind of really grateful for because I kind of feel like what is the point of reliving it if I don't have to like obviously I yeah. think it's great to deal with these things but then if you don't have to keep going back and reliving it then why should we in a way so I definitely think it is good that I can feel a bit more detached but then at the same time sometimes I do feel a little bit I wouldn't say guilty is the word but I feel as though I should be able to speak about it a bit more and kind of tap into that emotion a bit more but I just can't I feel like even when yeah. I try and speak about it I don't really get that emotional about it anymore like I, it's no, kind of I'm the same. people probably find yeah. that really bizarre but I think it's just because I talk about it as if it's like the third person which yeah, whether do, that's yeah. a good thing or not but I think it's because I've already been there you know what I mean we've already had to deal with it so what's the point of keep going right yeah, keep reliving it yeah. 100% and making yourself go back into that emotion when it's really just not productive like and you just don't have to and like you've no, come exactly. such a far away so I think that's definitely one thing I've learned with counseling as well it's just to kind of not feel like if someone's asking you about it or you are talking about it which is great that you are talking about it but you don't have to be there going into like the details and crying and go into that full-on emotion and kind of delve too deep in a way where it could yeah. just be at like your detriment rather than actually yeah 100 100 yeah. and then do things start to kind of look up especially once the cam sort of treatment and the group therapy got in place or was it still quite rocky i suppose it probably um, was a bit up and down but it was yeah it was really quite up and down because it was fe- in february which was when i was in my biggest crisis i suppose was also the time when I was seeing my psychiatrist regularly. I was, yeah. I think I'd already tried a different medication, but I was put on one and we was upping the dosage and it seemed to be kind of helping. And at the same time, I also started a new private therapy, which is why I don't think, because yeah. they could have offered me individual therapy, I think, but the waiting list would have probably been like so a long. year long. That's so long, so, isn't it? Yeah, and obviously, like, I wasn't seeing this care coordinator as she didn't as, seem to yeah. really exist. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I think my mum and my family, they just didn't really want to, like, wait. They kind of just thought, let's do it all at once. So I was having, like, group therapy, private therapy, and yeah. seeing my psychiatrist. So it all was kind of happening at the same time, which, well, that was really... Um, overwhelming time consuming it was definitely the best thing for me 100 i reckon that is like a really good way of going about it and just having like everything at once and just really coming at all angles because one like you know then you're doing everything well you obviously are doing everything you can you always have done but you've yeah. got everything coming at it in like every direction rather than everything just kind of being spanned out all over the place and like one thing yeah. one year and then something else the next year and i just think if you can get as many things as possible going at the same time which is very difficult to do to be honest yeah that's the thing it's just so hard for that to happen because like I said in my first private therapy when I was not with CAMS I think a lot of the reason I didn't engage was because I didn't have a like a platform to kind of go off of and my therapist was like you you should be on medication but the doctors where I live won't prescribe it to me if I'm under 18 right so then they have to refer you to CAMS, but the waiting list is oh, so long. God. So it's kind of like, and obviously it wasn't a waste of time or money, but obviously like that didn't help because I felt very um, 
guilty as if I'd wasted my family's money. It's so hard, isn't it? Because with private stuff, it is that massive risk as such. Obviously, there's never... I feel like to anyone who even considers it, like like you say, if it goes right or it goes wrong, I don't think there's any kind of detriment to try going to help you with your own like mental health like there's nothing more important so like if you're going to try spending your money on anything like it's better doing that than spending it on like clothes you know i mean like there's definitely it's definitely a great investment but like you say it is definitely a risk because you sort of think it it doesn't always work out and like a therapist and stuff doesn't always work which i suppose if you are on like an nhs pathway it's still very disheartening as well if you've had to wait like a year and then you get a counselor that just isn't working for you at all and you just don't click like that's difficult enough but then i suppose like you say you don't feel necessarily that guilt of like your parents money or your money and kind of that time and it's so you should never have to feel like that but obviously it's totally understandable where it comes from but then yeah it's so trial and error isn't it i think anyone who's found a counselor first time lucky and kind of a therapist or any type of kind of yeah psychiatrist or anyone who's support wise for them to find the first time one that works for them i think is so difficult obviously i know it'll happen for some people and they'll find someone straight away but i think a lot of the time it does take trial and error really which when you're going when you're going through a hard time it's so tough like when you're already feeling so isolated like you can't be helped all of these feelings and then you're having to trial and error counsellors. It is very exhausting, isn't it, really? Yeah, just... exactly. It's just consuming. 100%. So... All, you, all you want is yeah. just to find that one person, don't you, straight away. But yeah. it's not necessarily the case a lot of the time. Yeah. It's really hard. I think, yeah, with you to end up having them three kind of therapies going on at the same time must have been really useful. Like, what was the psychiatrist yeah. kind of like? I think it's really good as well with CAMS that they refer you to the psychiatrist because even with me, like, I haven't seen a psychiatrist yet. I think it's a referral we were sort of discussing before COVID and then it's kind of got lost in the air, to be honest, um, yeah. since then. But how has your experience with a psychiatrist been? It's been really good. I love my psychiatrist. <laughs> it's really good. So are they based at, they're based at a hospital, aren't they? Um, no, mine isn't, actually. We oh, have... interesting. We have a, I don't really, it's just like a building that with lots of different rooms and I think there's all sorts going on. Like some people have therapy, there's like workers who see families about children oh. with like special educational needs, like yeah. things like that, as well as, I think there's two psychiatrists who work there. They do Amazing. appointments there. So it's like a separate but, service in a way, it's not like a hospital environment. Yeah, which was better because mm. I didn't feel so... I don't know what's the word, but it just felt a lot more like comfortable. My experience with the psychiatrist was very positive. I mean, that was kind of the whole reason I was referred to CAMS in the first place because they wanted me on medication, but my GP wouldn't prescribe. prescribe. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. So, just so some GPs will some GPs prescribe under 18? Yeah. So, they will. It's just up to that individual practice or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I think so, which is oh, very frustrating in a way because I understand like that with medication comes side effects and the whole reason they don't like prescribing under 18s is because there's apparently a high risk that your suicidal thoughts will get worse but at the same time it's like Mm. if that person really needs to be on medication they're probably already experiencing yeah Yeah. so So true 
it's like is it a risk that's worth yeah, the take isn't it risk the that's worst worth that's going to happen is you get side effects but then you can just come off it and try a different one like yeah yeah i think the underestimate like i know i don't know what you know the specific regulation like you say if some obviously can prescribe under 18 then obviously it's not a set rule that like you cannot yeah. prescribe under 18 so i don't know what the kind of official guidance is on yeah, it neither do i um, which i'd be interested that. to know maybe like under 16 would be like the official thing of like we cannot prescribe antidepressants or any kind of psychiatric medication under 16 maybe i don't know like what the kind of rules are around it um but especially under 18 like if in some places they do i agree in the sense of like it's what's the difference of like an 18 and a 20 year old you know i mean like is two years really that drastically different like obviously when i started mine i just turned well was just about turning 21 so i was 20 so like obviously i was allowed to start on it kind of fine and in initially searching did increase my kind of anxiety and sort of suicidal thoughts to some degree um which obviously wasn't great but one that went with time so it's just about yeah. you know can you get through it for you a couple of weeks to, yeah or like you say you've got that option to come off anyway and change so it's kind of i think people probably again underestimate how kind of adaptable 18 year olds can be and how at the end of the day like you say if they're already in crisis anyway and experiencing these severe symptoms you know is it still worth the risk yeah and i feel like medication like they professionals they underestimate how much like hope it can give someone because Mm. while at the same time yeah there's a risk that they might feel worse yeah at least they know in their head like i know for me it was like yeah i might feel worse but i know that now i'm finally gonna be yeah on the path to finding one that works it was kind of like don't give up because i'm going to find the right one that helps me Mm-hmm. definitely so where to be told like oh you're 16 like you can't have anything for three years or like you're 18 yeah. and you've got to wait for two years it's like how like i don't know what the word is for that but like literally so like a stab in the chest you know what i mean like how yeah. it's so awful like when you're already experiencing all these things you're thinking i'm on a year waiting list for cams i'm gonna have to wait six months for this and then the one thing that normally you can start quite quickly be a medication that's yeah. the one thing you can't get access yeah. to which is just so disheartening for me like i think that's it was still difficult because i think i got medication relatively quickly within like a couple of months of things going downhill which was very quick but then obviously the counseling and the talking therapies and all those things came a lot later down the line which yeah. would have been it would have been nice to have them all going at the same time right from the get-go that would have been like the ideal situation but at least i had something for that like, at least there was something going on if that makes sense between yeah. kind of the initial Just to get you to the ther- like almost yeah you... to get you to that to point get... where you yeah. can be doing the other stuff if that makes sense so yeah it's yeah i think it must be so hard for under 18s or you know obviously depending again which gps you end up having and if they prescribe or not but being in your situation and being under 18 and so young anyway and then having these problems and conditions and then not being able to get like any effective treatment for it like for such a long time yeah so so hard and so hard to kind of get your head around and so confusing as well especially at that age yeah i think you just it can just make people feel more hopeless when they already feel hopeless it's kind of just yeah it just seems very counterproductive in my opinion i agree with you it's so sad isn't it and then i think obviously yeah the psychiatrist thing i think is really interesting because like i kind of it sounds really weird but like i kind of can't wait to like see if i can get referred to one and see if i can get a proper i don't really know how it would work in terms of like an adult going to see a psychiatrist like now being not through cams i don't know if like that's different or you wouldn't have like as thorough of an assessment or you'd have just the same i'm not really too yeah sure i'm not sure that. because i'm obviously looking into 
private therapy as I'm being discharged from CAMS. Mm, so do, would you have a, so will you have a psychiatrist at all when you get discharged from CAMS or is it completely just like no. everything's cut off? Yeah, everything is... Because obviously a lot of people will get moved to adult services, but I don't meet the criteria, I guess, which I do agree with because... Yeah. I don't think I would... Need that. No, I don't... I think the resources they'd give me wouldn't be, like, necessary when they could yeah. be going to other people. But I am being... So I will be still seeing a GP, like, mm-hmm. regularly, just to, like, check in on me, which is obviously good. Yeah, definitely. But I do want to look into seeing a psychiatrist privately just so I can properly establish, like, my diagnosis and... yeah i'm 100% with you on that one because yeah. i think even with the psychiatrist you've seen at cams have they kind of given you sort of di- certain diagnoses but then not discussed other things or what have you kind of found out yeah. from that one they've kind of said like they cuz they don't see me very regularly anymore like it's every 3 months or so <sighs> and they don't the appointments aren't very long like they don't really find out much about yeah. me so they don't they're wary to like just come up with a diagnosis as yeah. such. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Quite, quite hard. so much can change in, like, three months, can't it? It's like... Exactly. And how could... do you get all of that across in mm. one, in, True. like, 45 minutes? Like... Yeah, and you're trying to explain what the heck's been going on for, like, three months, which could be so yeah. much or not much at all. Like, it could be, yeah. like, completely either. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. So they kind of... Was it more just, like, at the beginning, they sort of gave you a diagnosis a bit more kind of at the start, but then since it's been a bit more yeah kind of i think so, checking yeah. yeah it's difficult it's, i think that's the thing with the psychiatrist you kind of feel like being with cams like having that psychiatrist like you would know like all of your diagnoses <laughs> or what the situation is but obviously like you say if you've only been seeing them every three months like that probably isn't the case yeah and when i did see them more regularly like weekly and then every two weeks it was predominantly just about the medication mm, like, so they were on that side of things yeah because that was the whole reason i was seeing them like they were checking yeah just going through all of the symptoms and all of the like and it was just discussing that it wasn't didn't go any further yeah it's kind of crazy that actually because i've always obviously i understand that definitely with the whole obviously especially with cams because the gp is not prescribing so obviously yeah. you have to go to psychiatrist for that side of things but then at the same time i think i always just thought like when you go to see a psychiatrist they're just going to be like telling you like this is what you've got like this is how we're going to so, manage yeah. it like this is the situation when i don't even know if they can have that much clarity on it to be honest and i'm just expecting something that's never going to happen or whether that can be the case and then be like you've got this 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 you know what i mean yeah i think it does just completely depend on like the psychiatrist Mm. the time because i know that like privately like you can have a very long thorough assessment right and then they can like diagnose you like off the bat but whether they do or not it depends but yeah it's just so subjective to every practice and every individual kind of yeah. case, I'd, case literally, yeah. I'd literally love that that's kind of what I kind of want is literally to go whether that be a private thing or not and me just literally go them sit me down do an assessment or whatever you have to do and then literally be like you've got this 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 is what you need to be taking this is gonna yeah. help you know what I mean like that's all you kind of want it's just a bit of clarity sometimes and that is can make it things harder to deal with sometimes that lack of understanding and that lack of clarity because you just feel like yeah. what am I even trying to treat if that makes sense like what am I even doing it makes yeah, it very definitely. confusing because I just think to be honest like I can sort of like tell myself like I've had anxiety depression like it's kind of one of those things that I just like know I have if that makes sense yeah. um so I feel like there's some things where you just sort of know without even having to get told like 
that is something I've had to deal with or that is what it is. Yeah. But there's some stuff that becomes a little bit more unclear and a little bit foggy of like, have I dealt with that or have I had experience with that? And it becomes a little bit hard for you to sort of work out, I think. Yeah, definitely. You can't do it by yourself. You can't work it out by just yourself, yeah. Yeah, it is really hard. Another thing I wanted to touch on was kind of what medications you're on now or like what experience you're having with them and sort of if you get any side effects if you've been really effective um so i tried two different antidepressants Mm -hmm. um and they both gave me pretty much the same side effects for the first like three weeks yeah nauseous tired headaches um all of that jazz but they did clear up after a few weeks um that's good but i'm on sertraline now yeah same as me Every yeah day, which has honestly helped me so much mm, it's good isn't it i yeah. feel like do you get any side effects with that now or is it kind of completely no. settled down no, yeah it's good and it's just it just gave me so much more kind of energy just it just kind of lifted the fog a little bit so i could fully yeah. engage in my therapies and like help myself more and I'm also on a sleeping medication yeah. to help me sleep through the night because I've never really struggled with getting to sleep mm-hmm. it's just um to wake up early through the night right but so you should normally like wake up really early in the morning or something like that it would just be constant throughout the night like right wouldn't get a good night's sleep but now yeah. it's kind of it's strange because I'm taking them to sleep through the night but now if I don't take them i can't fall asleep so oh it's interesting but, isn't it yeah like sometimes that's thing it can get very confusing yeah. can't it it's like it goes like reverse it's it's yeah, really, it's so strange you end up with like a problem that you didn't have in the first place, the first place yeah, I know. it's so confusing but, yeah so that's what i'm taking at the moment but it's good it's you've really... had a positive experience with both of them generally yeah definitely which is really good i think yeah search is really interesting i feel like it's probably definitely one of the more common ones but um I feel yeah. like, yeah, it's interesting for me because I've kind of been on it for a while and I felt like I 100% agree with like what you said about just like lifting the fog and being able to then begin your kind of journey a little bit more in terms of like other therapy and just being able to kind of get out of bed in the morning basically um, and just give you that initial kind of boost to some degree. Um, I think I definitely noticed that after about a good kind of six to eight weeks of taking it last year and it was like where I was just a complete mess and then it kind of just got me to a point where I remember I actually did start like exercising again for like the first time in probably a year like actually got out of bed a bit earlier like I wasn't great like don't get me wrong but I just had a little bit of something to kind of work with and it just made you feel yeah. a little bit more hopeful to a certain degree that like something was going right if that makes sense like yeah definitely like which is really good some hope yeah definitely definitely and then the only thing I kind of experienced with it the whole time was nausea and acid reflux to be honest which isn't like the most severe thing in the world but like it definitely was a bit disgusting like and just kind of lasted oh, quite yeah, a long see. time yeah see I already I'm diagnosed with acid reflux the post name is actually postnatal drip oh is that what it's called yeah when i was diagnosed with it from the doctors i thought it was like some really really serious thing but yeah it's very annoying i meant to take a nasal spray twice a day but i I don't is it like acid reflux then or what is it kind of like like something yeah it is just acid reflux and just yeah god is it worse when is it worse after you've eaten or is it just kind of like any time 
literally just a really morning and nights is the worst like when morning i wake night. up yeah because i wonder like if search did they say anything about search being causing that or was that something you already had before no i already had that before i don't know whether it's made it worse or not but <laughs> that's the thing i found with search because i never had issues with like acid coming up into my mouth ever <laughs> like ever and then as soon as i started taking search not initially but especially when the dose got upped oh, um, really? that's where that kind of started happening so now this summer i have like come down off them and i've not been taking them now for like maybe about a month or something um which is really interesting because i think part of me thinks i would like to start them again in terms of i think it's because i know what they did last year in terms of that like you say that initial boost and things part yeah. of me feels like would it be better for me to just be on like a steady lower dose but it's still maybe going to be doing that kind of underlying sort of just helping you in some kind of way yeah um, so i think part of me thinks like that and then part of me kind of felt like especially when i was on the higher dose of surgery in like 100 150 i kind of felt like I was a little bit more zombified in terms of like I know a lot of people don't get that so that's like just my experience but like yeah. just feeling a little bit more like I had no emotion like no emotion which is better than me being so like sad all the time and suicidal etc and just low so it wasn't that but I just felt very kind of like I couldn't be happy either I couldn't really like yeah, laugh I think either it's just I don't about know finding the right dose because I know for mm-hmm. me that was also the case where because I take a hundred milligrams a day but when yeah I've taken more so like 150 i've just not felt anything at all so <laughs> it is just about like finding that trial and error finding the right dose and finding the right medication yeah it's so true isn't it and some people have to go right through a right roller coaster of it in terms of trying like six different medications and you know yeah. all these different things so i kind of feel lucky for me that like i did just try search then straight away and you know obviously there might be other things out there that might have worked better or that i just haven't even tried that you know might be even better but um, yeah. it's hard when you've got no comparisons you're just thinking well is that meant to be what it does yeah. or like you don't know because i think with search i kind of felt like it did something but then after about the six weeks last year and i noticed okay like it's i felt like it had done something for definite but then ever since then i've kind of always been a bit like is that it like should i be like thinking there's something else or <laughs> is that yeah. like you know what i mean it's quite hard to kind of judge it because you just don't know what what you should be feeling if that yeah, makes sense you don't, there's no like it's not the same for any person so oh. you don't know a hundred percent yeah it's yeah. so true another thing i wanted to touch on with you last thing really is like your experience obviously i don't know where i saw it actually it must have been well it was obviously on your instagram i don't know if it was a post or one of your stories but um you saying about having dermatillomania and kind of where that came from like where that started when it, have you ever received any kind of specific help for dermatillomania or has it kind of just come with like the rest of the therapy in a way um i don't i haven't received any specific like treatment for it i don't think i have like a really severe case of it i think for a lot of people the kind of typical um cases tend to be like on people's face like yeah but i don't experience that i have my certain like areas i guess where it's yeah i think everyone probably have like a specific one area or like chest back arms like face whatever like that one area is yeah so mine is the balls of my feet which is not, and the back of my head, which is very strange, but... um No, everyone's yeah. just kind of like their own thing, isn't it? It's like, is it yours yeah. literally just skin picking with your, would you use your fingers or would you ever end up using something that's like more um, intense, it I just suppose? De- it depends, yeah. Just depends I've on the situation. things, yeah. But it's not so bad anymore, but it has like left me being unable to walk, which is... I know, I can imagine it being so sore on the back of your feet as well, like yeah, having to, because you have to walk on that area, so it's not like you can yeah. avoid that like you can't avoid something pressing against it if that makes sense yeah it definitely is worse when i'm anxious um 
I've experienced um, dissociation. So when that happens, it gets worse and then I don't remember that I've done it. Um, yeah, is that, I was reading about that. Like, dissociation basically, I think I've experienced it, so I kind of should know actually what it is if I've experienced it. But like, is it basically like when you're in that zone, like you're in that zone of like, you don't even know what you're doing. So it is dissociated as, as such. And then you kind of come back into reality of like, that has just happened. But it, when you're actually doing it, it feels like it's not happening. Is that kind of what it means? Yeah, there's different types of dissociation. So there's derealization and depersonalization is what I've experienced. I always forget yeah. which one's which, but it's where like just nothing around you kind of seems real, like everything is distorted. You feel like you're watching yourself from afar, like that mm. sort of thing. But and then yeah. you can often like forget what's happened during it. But yeah, that's when I think my skin picking can get worse. But when it was really bad, like at school, mm. um, in sixth form, I would I had like a fidget cube. Which my dad got me for Christmas, which I definitely recommend. That's a great idea, actually. Yeah, Yeah, and literally just like any kind of stress ball type fidgety type appliance, like anything that you can basically have in your hands that is going to distract you, basically. Yeah, it just gives you something else to focus on and get that like sensory kind of relief, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, like, how do you know? Because my experience of it's been quite like different in terms of area like for me it's always been like arm chest like them kind of areas which i suppose i think i don't, I don't know if that's quite common i think it maybe is i don't know but like you say i think most of the time it is still like it feels like it's always face um yeah which i probably had slight experience of but definitely more body than face but like i yeah it feels in that way where like i wouldn't even know like kind of when it's coming on if that makes i don't know if that sounds weird but like when it's gonna happen if that makes sense it just kind of seems very out of the blue like do you have any kind of yeah. tips on that or sort of do you kind of recognize when it might be gonna happen or like do something about it or what's your kind of tips of like how to manage it a little bit um a lot of the time i do it kind of i don't know what the subconsciously yeah. i don't realize that's how i would say i yeah i'm exactly the yeah. same and it's not until like it gets like bad then I realize and I'm mm-hmm. and I have kind of like an obsession with making sure it's even though obviously by picking it it makes it not smooth but then I need to make sure it's like so then it just makes it yeah. worse and worse and worse but 100% yeah I think it is just it's so hard to recognize it and then I know for me like I will stop but then I just have such an urge to like go back just to kind mm. of like finish it almost like yeah, yeah it's so it, true it's like you go into that mindset of like it's like a task like it's so weird like yeah. as if it's like something you've got to finish but it's like what you even trying to finish it's the it's a very bizarre it, thing, yeah, isn't it? it is and it's not really spoken about much no so. it isn't really is it i feel it like just, it's quite under like quite misunderstood and just generally yeah not enough awareness on it at all yeah yeah and yeah i don't know like it depends because for me quite often it's worse at night and obviously not so much now because of you know lockdown and things yeah but I'd often be with um Joe my boyfriend in the evenings and he's always kind of alert about mm. it so whenever like he sees me starting when I don't realize like he'd, he'd be like crazy or... stop like yeah so obviously if you have somebody that you're around quite a lot and even my mum like if we're like downstairs like just and she kind of can notice aware and telling them telling you to like stop because a lot of the time the individual that's doing it doesn't realize they're doing it in the first place that's so true actually i've never thought about it like that because i think for me it's probably always been like by myself in a way like i've never had anyone to be like stop you know what i mean so it probably is easier to kind of not even realize that you're doing it yeah it's difficult because obviously not everybody has somebody i mean i don't most of the time but Mm. i think it's just as soon as you recognize it just try 
to do anything else yeah like just a complete to distraction yourself. yeah because yeah. i always thought that i kind of in my head i've always thought did it is it like a bit of boredom thing like do i just do do it when I'm, i've got nothing else to do and then it obviously starts and then it becomes a subconscious thing yeah or is it like an anxious releasing thing but then i feel like when i'm doing it i'm not necessarily anxious if that makes sense so i don't know i've kind of always felt like for me it's not like an anxious thing because i'm it's always been like at night or when i'm like the most chilled i'd say and like not even yeah i know what you mean that's me quite a lot of the time i don't really know it's it's an a weird one isn't it really i feel like it probably i can understand it definitely for some people being like an anxious thing but for me i feel like it just hasn't but then i think that's why like you say just literally trying to stop as kind of literally recognizing you doing it and then which is like a big step already because like you say it's so subconscious even if you can literally have that thought process of like i'm aware what i'm doing and then try and just distract yourself in like any physical way possible yeah it's really hard. So has that got better for you with time or is it still something that you're kind of having to try and manage and kind of struggle with a bit, but it's sort of getting um, better? Yeah, I'm still kind of dealing with it. I don't know if I'll ever, like, kind of not be. Like, mm. it's just a lot of the time at the moment, like, I get really bad um, mosquito bites. Oh, God, that's time of year of, as well. Yeah, they kind of just never... The scars just don't go on my legs because mm. I just can't it's so hard once once that's the one thing i think it's really hard with it as well like once you get one like a bite or mark yeah. or spot or anything that's like there it makes it like even harder because th- there is something to like pick at basically like it's it even well even more so than just like your normal skin you know what i mean yeah and i think it's just as it's difficult as well like the um disorder the condition in general because obviously a lot of people well, most people like in life will tend to pick a like yeah. spots or oh, yeah. it's like it's really hard to like distinct to make that mm, where that barrier kind yeah, of like where does it cross over to where it's um kind of not yeah. healthy and is yeah disordered. It's hard, is it? Because some people obviously would say they have like really bad acne on their face, for example, and then it might like they might pick a bit and then it might scar a bit and like they've never had experience of devotalmania or any form of that but then at the same time they could still be left with like the scarring and stuff but that's not been like a actual kind of condition or a habit or whatever you want to call it but then it can be like the flip side like you say and still be an actual problem and an addiction a kind of again like an addictive sort of behavior yeah so it's quite complex isn't it in that way like you say knowing that kind of boundary of like where it becomes a problem and where it yeah definitely and like did you sort of notice that like it kind of went from like one area to another because that's one thing i noticed like i remember when it first became an issue ever for me in like year might be like year eight or something that's like one of the first things i'd say actually became like an issue for me just full stop um it was quite young and like it literally started off as just like one area like my chest i think or like one area and then it really became like arms maybe a bit back but not too much so it kind of just stuck to like chest and arms mainly but like you know what i mean it kind of just spread i don't really know how it went from like one area to the next but it literally just did and like i don't really know yeah. why one area started and like not another it's so bizarre yeah it definitely is i think it's just because it is so subjective and like it is also like very misunderstood it's hard to like understand even if you do experience mm-hmm. it yourself like 
so so true it's one thing that i definitely want to like really get on top of and like be fully like recovered from if that makes sense like i definitely know i've got a lot better with time weirdly i don't really know how because i think because i've never had like specific help for it i think i'm like how the hell have i actually got better with time because i thought i would have gone like the other way quite honestly um so it's still progress i'm like great because i don't know how that even happened but then at the same time like it's still something that i've never like been completely recovered from so it's something that i kind of want to do more research on and sort of know how to completely get over it if that makes sense and how to like fully yeah because i'm sure i definitely do think it's one of those things where you can fully recover from it 100%, definitely yeah just like ocd or just like any other kind of addictive behavior um i think it's definitely maybe easier to kind of overcome and recover from maybe compared to like other disorders like anxiety or depression and things like that um yeah but it's still something that, like you said, I think there's so lack of awareness of it and not talked about enough, the kind of treatment of it, you're not so sure of either because it's, it's so yeah. vague. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to find what you would need in the first place. 100%. Like, well, I'll, I'll say to the audience anyway, actually, because in case they have no idea what we've just been speaking about, uh, we've been speaking about dermatillomania, which, yeah, the main symptoms that people have with it is obviously not being able to stop picking your skin or if you've already got like a mark of some form like bruise cuts anything then you might just carry on picking those things or freckles spots any of those things that are already on your skin that are kind of like maybe not deemed to be like smooth or kind of perfections or what imperfections or all of those kind of things you might carry on picking um more um i mean that's an interesting one as well with fingernails like do you ever do you have like a problem with biting kind of fingernails or like round the side of your fingers or yeah yeah i always have that i kind of feel like a lot of people like that might be linked as well like if they not everyone obviously cause some people will just bite the nails and not have like yeah. a disorder but i feel like that can be quite like common with it as well to definitely like be biting around your nails and like the skin around your nails yeah definitely and yeah. on the nhs website that's think some of the things it says about being able to try and help yourself is like you said just keeping your hands busy um and having like a distraction um says identify when and where most you pick and try to no identify when and where you most commonly pick and try to avoid these triggers which i mean can be quite difficult because i mean if it's just like on your own at night then i mean you can't avoid being on your own at night so it's a bit like you know it's difficult um try and resist for longer and longer each time you feel the urge to pick um tell the people's like you said again so they can help you recognize if like you start doing it which again yeah. i think is quite hard because it's quite like a discreet i don't know if this discreet is even a word but because it's like sometimes something you kind of do on your own and like in your own space i think it again can be quite hard from like an embarrassment point of view for people to sort of say that it's something they struggle with and then for people to be able to stop them if that makes sense yeah definitely i think that can be difficult um and then it says yeah obviously things like trying to put certain things if you use tweezers or any other kind of appliance then try and put them somewhere that you can't access and not letting your nails grow too long which to me is be fair i never i never let my nails grow too long because i literally <laughs> bite the crap out of them Same. um but still obviously that can't stop you but it could still help to some kind of degree couldn't it but again it's very underestimated cause i think with like trichotillomania for example with like pulling your hair out like i feel like that's even spoken about a little bit more not really but I feel no, like I, it's, I would agree just a little bit yeah just a little bit more and then i feel like it the kind of disorders though that are still quite quite common not as common as obviously other things like anxiety disorders and things like that but they are still pretty common because they kind of come under like the ocd umbrella to a certain degree um, yeah and kind of addictive personality kind of traits because they kind of come under that i think um they are a lot more common than what people think and i think a lot more people will maybe have it even if it's in a milder form without actually realising they've got a condition, if that makes sense. That's the most um, distinguishable factor, because I think that's what it says under, like, this. what you need to be diagnosed is the, right. the factor which is that it can 
it's like negatively one. impacting your day-to-day life yeah because... and your day-to-day function and yeah et so for me it's never been too bad in terms of like the length of time i've done it for in terms of like it because some people you know they'll be consumed by that 24 7 and it'd be yeah. something that's like they can't even leave the house because they're doing it so for some people it would really affect them but for me it's never affected my day-to-day like functioning in the kind of time sense of things but in terms of like self-esteem side of things obviously being left with like long-term kind of complications yeah. from it that is still affecting your day-to-day life so in terms of your like psych like kind of psychological base kind of symptoms and like the kind of long-term effects in that way like yeah. that would have probably affected my day-to-day life but not necessarily like the kind of time consuming aspect of it um, yeah. but yeah i agree with you i think that'd be like one main factor and like will be the factor that kind of distinguishes it but you know i know a lot of people that like really bite the crap out of the fingers and like round the sides like all the skin and everything and like pull the eyelashes out and like little things like that and even though it might not be to the point where it is affecting your life and obviously again that doesn't mean you've got a condition just because you do that um but i think it's definitely something that will be more common and people just actually don't even know what a condition exists about it if that makes sense yeah just lack of awareness isn't it really in general i think there's so many kind of conditions that people need to talk about more and kind of get that awareness out there and it's really interesting actually because i've never spoke about dermatillomania to anybody i don't think quite honestly in my experience with that um some of my family might know but apart from that like it's definitely very kind of new to me to speak about it but I think yeah it's interesting i think that is the kind of the reason i say i really haven't is because just feeling like no one really knows anything about it so for me to just try and like start I know that this whole point is trying to raise awareness of it, but I think sometimes if you feel like zero people know about it, you're like, why would, what, you know what I mean? Like, what am I trying yeah, to... Yeah, it's very, like, um, draining almost to try mm. and have to explain it from, like... Complete scratch. Yeah. With no one having any awareness, at least with anxiety and depression, then conditions are being spoken about a bit more now eventually and like long last but i mean there is a little bit more awareness like a basis level yeah. so you're just trying to kind of increase that where with conditions like trichotillomania or dermatillomania or schizophrenia or so many other conditions like they're just not spoken about at all which is just such a shame and that's yeah. why like so many people are afraid to speak out in any kind of way because like they feel so isolated and alone when in reality like there's so many people out there dealing with the exact same thing as what they have um and that's what people need to realise, like, they're definitely not alone. And I think with our Instagrams, like, we've kind of seen that now because we're in, like, an area of kind of social media in a way where you're seeing people with, like, every condition under the sun. Yeah. Um, and it becomes a lot more kind of, uh, I don't know what the word is, but just a lot more kind of normalised, if that makes sense, which is amazing, to be honest. Yeah. Because, like, what have you found the kind of... Mo- How long have you had your Instagram for now, actually? Um since last november i oh, think not... the end of yeah like start of december so it's done so well in that time <laughs> seriously like the amount of help you've given to people like what's the honestly kind of... it's a bit crazy it's unreal how well it's done i kind of thought you maybe had it for like at least a year plus but like probably like two years or something so the fact you've had it for like literally six months basically like <laughs> it's unbelievable like what's kind of the main thing you've sort of taken from it or loved about doing it um i think it's just like the messages you get of people saying like that you've actually like helped them and it kind of just i don't know every time i get one that says that i've helped them in some way it kind of like takes me for like it surprises me because yeah i'm like wow but yeah i'm very just grateful and everyone on there is so like understanding like Mm. if you need a break like 
nobody will criticize you no it's so supportive isn't it and I'm trying to like fall into that a little bit because I feel like I still sometimes think like oh I need to post something like every three days or like I need to like be conscious of like what I'm doing on there or whatever when I'm just like trying to just realize why I started it in the first place to literally enjoy it and to like just literally if I can help anyone and meet new people and all of those things and I don't want to lose that for kind of me overly worrying about oh I need to post something every two days or whatever because you just don't and like you say people are so kind of accommodating and aware that like you if you want to take two weeks of no social media then you don't want to go on social media for two weeks like that's absolutely fine yeah it's fine yeah 100% like it ain't gonna change anyone's perspective on anything just because you've not been on social media for two weeks like it's not a big deal um so I think yeah I definitely felt like a bit of a weird pressure I think because it's a new Instagram account like when with my other actual Instagram account like my other normal one well kind of not normal one but like my other kind of home one that I've had for like years with that one like I kind of I've got had it for so long where I just didn't really care about posting on it and like I wouldn't post it for like months and stuff but then I think starting up a new Instagram I kind of felt like I need to post all the time like yeah yeah, and to try and get that awareness out there you kind of feel like to get more awareness out there like surely you need to post more but I just think you don't need to put that pressure on yourself like it's not that deep like you're doing the best you can like and just by doing what we're doing like it is still helping people even if it's just by people being able to relate or getting them DMs and actually being able to help someone kind of privately or whatever and I think think um yeah it's, it is a, it is like an amazing platform and kind of an area of social media that I've never obviously seen before that's just so reassuring and like yeah. nice to see well girl you've been amazing I really appreciate it like is there anything you want to say finalized or like to far like finish or any kind of main points or anything that you would obviously say for anyone to like get help if they are struggling with anything um oh hard one on spot, <laughs> it is difficult I think The main thing that I want to try and do in the upcoming months, like maybe once I see a private psychiatrist and find out more about my own um, diagnosis, well, I think is just, yes, we need to keep normalising and reducing the stigma around the more common disorders like depression and anxiety, but we need to start raising awareness for the disorders that aren't spoken about as much like yes. schizophrenia bipolar personality disorders 100% all of those sorts of things like dissociative identity disorder all of those things that are very frowned upon by society deemed as scary mm-hmm. um just put the only way that a lot of people will have heard of them is in films where they're yeah. completely like Incorrectly, yeah, yeah, and I think just that's what I want to try and focus on myself. Not necessarily even posting about it, but I just, if anybody is like kind of listening to this, is go and like just educate yourself. Just go on the NHS website or the Mind website and look at some disorders that you maybe haven't heard of before. Because it's really important. It's like broad and your like education in that sense anyway and also because like none of us are immune to it you know so it's like we don't know what's going to happen in 10 years time like no one was born like knowing they're going to get schizophrenia or like no one was born with bipolar like people get these things like just like they would with any physical illness that you can't protect yourself from so discriminate exactly i think people literally just think like especially with mental health conditions more so than any physical health condition i think with physical health conditions obviously you can't live your life worrying about getting them but like people kind of have an awareness i think a bit more that like they could but then with like mental health conditions i feel like people genuinely just sit there and think like no like i ain't getting any of those like yeah, you're not immune from it and 100 neither are the people around you so 
as ever just... the more you're kind of aware and the education you have like whether it's you or somebody you know or like your loved ones or friends or if anything was to happen and like any of those friends develop symptoms of any of these more yeah. kind of unspoken about conditions if you've got that awareness and know where you can signpost them what the symptoms are and can recognize it then again yeah. you'd be helping someone with that wouldn't you so i think i totally agree with you that like obviously i've mainly so far had experience with like anxiety and depression being my main two kind of things yeah. like, especially in the last year i think obviously that's something i've spoke about in terms of my experience but what that's why i'm so passionate about doing this like podcast and trying to just for my own education just to literally expand my knowledge on other conditions that i don't know anything about exactly and have no experience of because i just think like like hearing other people's experiences like there's nothing better than that to like try and learn about like what it actually involves what it means for them on a day-to-day basis and how they live their life with that condition and how it affects their life um so yeah i think it's such an important message and your instagram is like really helping with that Oh, thank you. And thank you so much. And happy birthday for tomorrow. It'll be oh an amazing God, day. It'll be so good. And thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love what you're doing, honestly. Oh, it means so much. Thank you.